pray it'll be a blessing to you tonight. Could I ask you to stand with me tonight in honoring of the reading of the word of the Lord? We'd like to take our reading tonight from the book of Job, chapter number 38. Job, chapter number 38, verses 4 through 7. Then we're going to go to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 21, one verse there, and that's verse number two. Job 38, 4 through 7, and then the book of Proverbs, chapter 21, verse number two. So I'll give you a moment as you are finding that place, those places in the word of the Lord, and it looks like most are about there. But in the book of Job tonight, chapter 38, beginning at verse four, it reads, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Verse 4, Where wast thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Verse 5, Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Verse 7, when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Those questions God asked Job. Go with me now to Proverbs chapter 21, verse 2. Proverbs 21, verse 2. It reads tonight, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Tonight, this Bible study thought two words, God's alignment. God's alignment. Would you pray with me? Precious Savior, we give honor to you and praise unto your great and matchless name. We thank you for the true life, God, that you've given to each and every one of us who have called upon your great name. You remain the hope, the confidence, and the assurance of all who trust and depend upon you. I pray tonight, God, that our hearts should be open to your word. I pray, God, that you would anoint our ears to hear your precious word and anoint, Lord, these lips, I pray, to deliver your word with all clarity tonight for the praise is yours, the honor is yours, and the glory is yours. In Jesus' wonderful and matchless name, amen. You may be seated tonight. Some strong questions open up in our reading tonight that God himself asked this man whose name was Job. We open the Bible study with the question God has for Job. In verse number four of that chapter, chapter 38 that we read, where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Now, when I read this, my mind is baffled because right away I'm going to the space before the Bible says, and the earth was without form and void. My mind goes back when we read in the book of Genesis where Moses is given the account of creation by God himself and he records. But I want us to understand something here. Uh, before Genesis was written, as I understand, this book of Job is the oldest, the oldest 
passages of scriptures that we read because Moses records all this after the life of Job. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. We read in the Bible, we always think, well, this in this order and so forth. Well, there is an order, but let us understand this man named Job lived long before Moses would record the words and God had given him about the days of creation and so forth. But let's understand also today that even Job lived a long time before all the law and before all the commands were given to Moses on Mount Sinai. God still was expecting something from his creation. We know God made Adam first. From his side, he takes a rib, makes a woman, Eve. They're dispelled out of the garden when they disobey. They sin. We know man began to sin in time, and of course the flood came, Noah, and so forth. So we know the happenings that take place. But we find here in time that here was a man that loved God so greatly that he, he set God so high in priority in his life. I want us to just take for a moment and think about this man named Job. He was so... In his heart was so much that he wanted to please God and that he wanted his children to live for God that Job would offer sacrifices for his own children just in case they may have sinned against God. We find a man that loved God so much that he put God number one. I believe today, if we love God, we should be putting him number one. If we're going to please God, we need to learn to put him as number one. And that's what this man did. Job put God number one in his life. How do we know this? Because when we read, we read fact, let's go here and let's see what it says concerning this man. In Job chapter number one, verse number eight, it says this. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth? Now that's something God, God himself saying this about a man. Have you considered there's none like him in all the earth? A perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. He hates, he despises evil. There's none like him. Have you considered my servant Job? And as we read this, we begin to get an understanding of what is getting ready to take place because this was the first of two life-changing questions that would begin to alter and change the life of a man named Job. God would ask a question to Satan when he came, when the sons of God had gathered. Satan appears and the Lord asks him, where have you been? I've been walking to and fro on the earth. I've been checking things out. And he goes there, have you considered my servant Job? And as we read the answer, that question God asked Satan, the devil. Question two we read in Job 1 verses 9 through 12. Let's read it together tonight as we're establishing our thought on God's alignment. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth God or doth Job fear God for what? For not. In other words, does Job fear you? Why does he fear you? Is it for no avail? Mm, he's setting something up here. Let's go and read. Hast not thou made a hedge about him? and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth now thine hand, oh yeah, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy 
face. Verse 12, and the Lord said unto Satan, behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. We often ask the question, either in our mind or verbally, in our own lives, why God? When things begin to happen, don't we? Why, God? We do. How many of you remember a song about a man, a man that we esteem, he's been gone for several years, but I still, when I think and mention, hear his name mentioned, I have respect for a man, a man named Brother Don Johnson. He wrote a song, God is so good to me I can't complain. He wrote a song, no doubt he had been going through some things, Brother Willis. No doubt he had suffered some things, and God began to comfort him, and words came to him. He said, sometimes clouds hang low. I would like to see them go. And I asked the question, Lord, why so much pain? But he knows what's best for me. Though I cannot see, I just say, thank you, Lord. I can't complain. We often ask the questions, why? Why, Lord? We don't understand when bad things happen, when things bring pain, sorrow, grief, and we find ourselves asking again, why, Lord? I wonder tonight if Job had asked that question. I wonder if Job began to ask the question, why, Lord? We read a lot in the scripture of what took place, but no doubt if not in words, certainly in his thoughts, he probably did consider, why has this happened to me? Why has all this tragedy taken place in my life? Brother Johnson said the words, God's so good to me I can't complain. I believe the complaining part is when we should, if, we, if we're not careful, we should charge God foolishly. Job never did that. He never did. He cursed the very day he was born. His agony was so great, he cursed the very day that he was born. Why couldn't I have perished instead of being born? Because he was in such grief. But when we begin to ask the question, why Lord? My mind goes to the prophet Jeremiah and his words in Jeremiah 17, 10. Some things we don't understand or see, but Jeremiah tells us, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruits of his doings. Yes, God said Job was a perfect man, and if God said it, I believe he was. But even in a, a man who is perfect, how many realize we've got things in our hearts? There's things in our hearts that they can creep up. You know, the real challenge is we can't keep them from coming, but what we can do is keep them from abiding in our hearts. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, we'll ignore them. We'll avoid them. We'll excuse them, but it's the Lord who searches the heart. There would be some things God would reveal. God will prove our hearts. Why? Because he loves us too much to leave us as we are. It's called God's alignment. It's called God's alignment. All of us tonight need the alignment of God. There's no one in here that's exempt. No matter how long you or I have lived for God, no matter how successful we may have been, it doesn't matter the things we've accomplished. God 
will always, always challenge us for more. I want to say that again. God will always challenge us for more. What I done yesterday is good, but what I do for him today and by faith tomorrow, should I see tomorrow? That's what God's looking for. You know, he sees what's here. I don't want to give up and say, I've done enough. I hope tonight, church, you follow where I'm coming from tonight. I don't want to feel I've accomplished so much where I am that I'm good enough. I can just kind of coast. No, no. There's no room for that. There's no time for that. But see, he cares enough about us not to leave us where we are. He wants to align our lives. We have our cars aligned when they begin to pull one way or another, begin to shimmy on us. There's a front end, the thrust, or the four-wheel alignments that can be done on a vehicle to get it back in line. We have also braces that will correct teeth and legs and backs, etc. And all these can help bring proper alignment to the body and parts of the body. However, when it comes to our hearts tonight, when it comes to our lives, it's going to take God. I want to say that again. It's going to take God to help align our hearts and our lives. I want to tell you right now, I can't do this by myself. I cannot align my heart with my own ability. I cannot walk that straight line on my own. I need him to hold my hand, and I need to hold on to his. If I'm going to walk this straight and narrow pathway, I'm surely not going to be able to do it by myself. No matter what, how much I want to, I'm flesh. We're flesh. And when you think you can do this on your own good enough, you got a fall coming. You got a fall coming. So why not say, God, you've helped me make it this far. I need you to help me to go the rest of the way. God, you know what it's going to take for me. How many realize God knows what it's going to take for every one of us? He does. So when we are being challenged, it's not a time to say, why, God? But maybe we should start asking another question. God, what is it I need to learn here? What is it you're trying to show me? How can I grow from this? God, show me how I can become better aligned. Church, tonight, I want to become better aligned. I want to align myself not with what I think or feel or anybody else for that matter, but what God's word would tell us, what he would instruct us through his word. I want that to be the thing to help align me in my life. So when we begin to read the passive scripture in Jeremiah 17, 9, once again saying the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? God. God. God knows your heart and mine. I'll be honest with you tonight. There's time. My intention's always good, Brother Wilson. I'm trying to try to do the right thing. I hope you do. You're trying to do the right thing. But in the midst of trying to do the right thing, sometimes, if we're not careful, a little bit of anger can get a hold of us. Sometimes a little bit of bitterness can get a hold of us. Sometimes even if, God forbid, jealousy could get in us. Envy. And the list goes on. So that's why. You see, God sees way out there where we've not got yet. He sees the end of our road, and we have no clue. So what does he do? 
He meets us way back here where we're walking. And he says, I need to do some alignment here. I need to do a little bit of tweaking in her life. I need to do a little bit of tweaking in his life. Because if I let them go on their course, they're going to get out of line. They're going to be shimmying and shaking. They're going to veer and they could go off the road. You see, God loves us enough to align us. God loves us enough to correct us. He loves us enough to allow some things that not only should get our attention, but cause us to seek him even more. I believe we're in the last days. How many believe that tonight? Knowing that we are in the last days, should we live for God haphazardly? No. Should we walk this walk of faith loosely, casually? Absolutely not. I believe to now, uh, right now, today, and, and tonight, and tomorrow, if, if we should have it, that we need to serve and seek God like never before, and we need to work out our own salvation how? With fear and trembling, with all sincerity. God, I want my heart, my life, I want it to be pleasing and obedient to your will. The apostle in Romans 7, 7 said this, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. You see, God first deals with us through his word. Paul tells us it was the word that showed him about the sin of coveting. It was the commandments that showed sin. And he gives the illustration. God will begin to use his word first to kind of get us in line. Now, be honest tonight. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But how many times when the word of God come forth and yeah, you felt it, but you ignored it. Don't raise your hand. We all have at one time or another. We heard something like, well, I just don't know about that. So then what does God do? Sometimes he'll give us the word again and again. But eventually when the word can't get accomplished in a person's life, if they're not going to adhere to the word, does God let people go? In some cases, probably. But most of the time, God in his mercy continues to reach on. In the book of Jude 1, verse 23, it says, And others save how? With fear. With fear. Pulling them from what? The fire. Because there is a real fire. There is a real hell, church. There is a literal burning hell that God made. It wasn't created for man initially. It was created for Lucifer. It was created for that old devil, the deceiver. But because his deception and he's deceived man for so long, the Bible tells us that hell has enlarged itself. It is growing day by day. It's not the will of God that men should be lost and go to a lake of fire. It was created for the devil. But when men rebel and will not listen to God's word of warning, of judgment, 
what happens? What happened in Noah's day? Crazy old guy building a, a big old boat right in the middle of the land. Ocean's way, who knows where. Crazy old man. But that crazy old man said, I've heard from God. And God said to build an ark. And if you want to be saved, you're going to have to get into this ark. We live in a world today that it's almost like it was really in Noah's day. Because they hear the message and they laugh at it. They mock at it. Some say that's fable fairy tale. Some will make fun and poke fun. But in their heart of hearts, they know there's something to it. But like in Noah's day, though they laughed and made fun until that sky began to get dark. Until the rain began to fall and the fountains of the deep began to break open. And it flooded the world and humanity perished except those eight souls that were in the ark. You see, some, the scripture says, as Jude tells us here, some, we've got to pull them from the fire. They've heard the message. They've heard the word. God's trying to align everybody. He's trying to align his church. He's trying to align the backslider. He's trying to align the world. He's trying to tell them, I'm getting ready to come back. I'm getting ready to come back for my bride. I'm getting ready to come back for my church. He's trying to get us to align ourselves. It's a time tonight that we strive to enter in that straight gate. It's a time tonight that we purpose within our hearts, I've got to make it. I've got to make it. Whatever it takes, I've got to make heaven my home. This world, let it not be so bright to you that your heavenly home becomes a fable. I've got a heavenly home. Aren't you glad you got a heavenly home? We've got a heavenly home, and I'm looking forward to being a part of that great city whose builder and maker is God. Back to Job tonight, we did not read that God himself said, but, you know, I want us to understand something tonight. Even though God sees us and knows what's here, he knows that we're trying to do our best. But even though we're trying to do our best and we're doing better than we used to, let's put it that way, does he leave you alone right there? Can he afford to leave us alone right there? Because when all is well, when all seems well, that's when things begin to happen. That's why we've always got to be on guard. When I remember several years ago, a story Gramps had told me. He said when he was going across the ocean, I believe it was on the Queen Mary, and he said all lights were out, and it was made clear. It was made clear. No lights, no sounds, because German U-boats were in the waters, and they were terrified because many ships had been sank. And he said, so everyone was quiet and all the lights were off. But he said, someone on that boat lit a cigarette. As the story went. And to think one person's lack of concern could have caused the whole ship to go down. And all lives could have been lost. Think about that tonight, church. So for us tonight, 
we've got to be on guard. And we've got to remember that we've got to be wise as, but harmless as a dove. We've got to be on guard. The adversary is looking to trip up any. This man, Job, he was walking good. God said he's perfect and upright. So why would God let such a thing happen? Let's press forward. He said in Job 1.8, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and escueth evil. So why would God do it? Ultimately, I believe this. I believe God was going to teach the devil lesson number one. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. Have you read that in the book of Revelation? It talks about Satan being the accuser of the brethren. He's always going to point finger at you, sister, brother, sister. He's always going to be pointing a finger. Look what they did. Look what they said. He's always looking to poke and to point out our faults and flaws. But here's the secret tonight. Though we're an imperfect people, though we make mistakes, though we're flawed by nature because of one man's sin, but because one man's sacrifice, the blood was shed. And when we get that blood of Jesus Christ covering us, that makes the difference. The old man is done away with, and all things become new, right? He takes away our old man's nature. But if we're not careful, the old man wants to creep back again. So we got to put the old man back in place. Even Job, he was walking good. I don't believe because God wouldn't have said, as we've said tonight, he was perfect. But God was going to prove something to the devil, but he was also going to show even the heart of a perfect man, there's still flaws. Because our righteousness is as, and our perfection will never be his perfection. Never. So God would show the devil through all this, and he would prove to him that this man, whatever you're going through in life, God wants to use you to prove that old devil. He wants to use you to show him like he did with Job. You've been bought with a price tonight. You've got the blood of Jesus Christ upon your lives, and you're not just an old, ordinary person. You are priceless. You are a jewel and a gem in the eyes of God. And because of his blood that has been applied to you in baptism, and because your sins have been washed away, because you become a new creature in Christ, because you've been born of the water and the spirit, friend, tonight you are not only a treasure to God, you would become a trophy to the enemy if you would turn. So he's not going to give up. So neither can you. Neither can we tonight. We can't afford to give up. That's why here it is. And I don't have the scripture, but you'll read it in the book of James where it says, submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he shall flee from you. Even though Job was suffering, he stayed submitted to God. He didn't say anything bad about God. He didn't curse God. Even when his own wife said, Job, why don't you curse God and die? He said, you talk like a foolish woman. Job put his trust in God. Let's ask ourselves a question tonight. Our trials are nothing by comparison 
They have no, not even a close semblance to what this man endured. But in the midst of all, his heart was tried and he was proven. Right now, maybe your heart is being tried. Maybe tonight our hearts are being tried and God is trying to prove us. Maybe tonight that there's an enemy that's came to him and said, yeah, well, you got a hedge about that, Brother Willis. You just let me touch him. I still see a man living for God. I still see a man tonight that's not turned his back on God, nor charged him foolishly. I want to say something tonight, church. No matter what you go through, no matter what you and I have to endure, this kept ringing through my mind, and it's, we've heard it, heaven's going to be cheap at any price. It has been ringing over and over in my mind, heaven will be cheap at any price. When I've been going through things, it's come to my mind, heaven is going to be cheap at any price. No matter what you and I have to endure, no matter what you and I, church, have to go through tonight, heaven is going to be cheap at any price because God gave you a hope and a way out. It's up to you and I to lay hold on it. Don't take for granted you've got this thing whipped. Don't take for granted tonight you've got this thing made. For the righteous scarcely be saved. Where is the sinner and ungodly appear? Tonight we've got to keep striving in that straight gate. So we read here in Job 42.3, the words of God. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? And Job said these words, therefore have I uttered that I understood not. You know, God, <laughs> I thought I had it all figured out. God, I thought before my trial and test that I had you figured out. I, I thought, God, that I was doing everything right and, and everything perfect, and, and I just had heaven made. I, I thought that everything was going to go perfect for me. But when I went through what I went through, I found out I didn't know so much. I found out even how much more I needed you and depended upon you. And Job speaks the words here, and he says, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. God, this is too much for me. You know, tonight there's going to be things in heaven we'll learn that we may never know down here. But the most important thing is let's trust him. Let's trust God in the midst of this alignment in our lives. Let's believe God is working all things together for our good. I believe that, don't you? I, I believe God's doing things in our lives, and it's all going to work together for our good in the end if we'll say trusting in him. Keep our confidence in the Lord. For you and I today, again, the Apostle Paul's words, they ring very clearly to us. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 these were the words of the apostle. He said, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. Sometimes we're weak. Sometimes we're discouraged. Sometimes things bring us down. But Paul concludes, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul knew as long as I'm going through something, I'm trusting him, 
I'm praying. I'm staying close to him. Even though things are painful, I'm, I'm suffering things in, in, in this life, I know that it's going to work for my good. I know in the end it's going to be for my good. So the words of the Lord, as he told Paul, my grace is sufficient. Church tonight, sometimes we got to be satisfied. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Paul could have said, it's just part of God's alignment. It's just part of God's alignment for my life. All the things I've suffered and I've endured, God's just aligning me. He's, he's taking out the crookedness. He's, he's taking out all the, the things that have been in my heart. He's lining me up for a better place. Proverbs 3.11 says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. You see, the Lord loves us enough to correct us. I'm so thankful God's corrected me. He continues to correct me when I err. It reminds me how much he loves me, and I want to please him. The writer of Hebrews in verse uh, 5 through 7, chapter 12, said these words, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Have you ever felt like you've been rebuked by the Lord? I have. What do you do at that time? You fall on your face and say, God, I'm sorry. I want you to help me get it together. Help me to learn what I need to learn. And I want you to help me to press forward. I want to do it right. I want to do it right. Lord, help me. Align me. And so, verse 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? God loves us enough to chasten us. Do you remember when you got out of line, or maybe it was mom, maybe it was dad? Brother Wills tell Hold of the how his dad brought that 42-inch long belt. Heard him leaving his loops. Probably remembers still that sound yet today. Correction. <laughs> I remember some correction. Correction may hurt initially, yes, but it saves a greater pain later. It serves a much greater pain later. Because if we're willing to be chastised and corrected now, It'll save us from eternity a correction that there's no return. Oh, God, I love you. Do you love him tonight? God, I love you. Whatever it takes, Lord, I want you to help me not to rebel against your aligning of my life, but help me to align myself. Help me, Lord, to receive correction. Help me, Lord, to receive your direction. Help me, Lord, to become obedient and not a disobedient child. Lord, if it takes chastening, then let it be that I might get my heart right and be ready in that last moment 
when the Lord comes. I just want to be ready, church. I just want to be ready tonight. I'm not playing church. I'm not playing Christian. This is for our eternity. This is for your soul. This is forever. There's no time clock. This is ever and ever and ever. I just want to be ready tonight. Even before his personal alignment should be completed, Job said the words in Job 23.10, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He's just making me purified. He, he, he's getting rid of all the junk. I'm going to come forth as pure gold. That's what we got to keep on our minds tonight. He's just getting me ready. He's just helping get me ready. And I want to be ready. Coming to a close. As God is trying to align his church, he's trying to align his bride of whom you and I are tonight. I want you all, I want us all to take hold of the words of the Apostle Paul. I want to close with a passage in the book of Romans, chapter number 8, beginning at verse number 35 through 39. For the Apostle Paul says these words, and these are words that are strong that we must take to us tonight. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep as for what? The slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. Church, say it with me. I am persuaded. Let's say it again. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How about it tonight, church? I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Before you tonight, let me stand in your alignment process. Align me, direct me, correct me, instruct me. I want to be taught. Teach me, teach me that I may learn your ways more perfectly. For I want to make heaven my home. Church, tonight, that's all that's going to matter that we may hear Jesus say the words, Well done. God's alignment. Would you pray with me?